everybody, and welcome to a new edition of the award-winning Talking About Cars, where it's all about everybody has a car story. From celebrities to car personalities, people you know have some great stories to tell. I'm Randy Cardoon, and before we get going this week, just a reminder... Take a moment, subscribe to our podcast here on iTunes. It's absolutely free. You'll be notified when a brand new podcast is uploaded. If you're listening to us on SoundCloud, follow us there as well. And we'd love to hear from you what you think of our show. Write us a review and rank us. I'm holding out for five stars, but I don't want to influence you or anything. And keep an eye on us on our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Check us out on YouTube and, of course, our website, TalkingAboutCars.net. This week, we catch up with Wayne Carini of Chasing Classic Cars at the Classic Auto Show. You know, it's always great to catch up with Wayne. We've talked to him on the show before. This time around... He and I are sitting in one of Wayne's specially made roadsters. If you've watched his show, you know what I'm talking about. It's that two-seater made just for Wayne. And so you can see my stature is, is a little less than yours. So this I'm is, only bending at the knee a little bit. That's this okay. Is, this is a car that was built for me for my size. Okay. And, and it's fitted to me, the steering wheel. So, so this happened when I went to see Steve Mould, a really good buddy of mine. I went to a shop one day and I said, uh, you know, I'd like to have one of your cars. So if, if one of your customers decides to sell his car, I'd be interested in buying it. He says, why don't we just build you a car? Well, I said, that's a possibility. Why don't we talk about that? So within a half an hour, we talked about what I would like to see in, in a hot rod and what style I'd like to have. And we went in and saw uh, Steve's designer and... Uh, he started drawing some things up, and you like this and you like that, and basically we designed the car in two hours. So this, for some people who are looking, wondering, gosh, is this a Ford? Is this what is it? It's it's really from scratch built. Scratch built. So it's a 1932 Ford frame. It has a Mercury flathead engine in it. It's got a uh, a uh, S10 Chevy five-speed transmission, and then the rear end is totally custom built. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a custom-built car just for me. So the styling is, is sort of like a track roadster, but the theme, and, and it's important to have a theme when you're building a car. So the theme is is that, that a, a guy came back from the war, he saw all sorts of great sports cars while he was in Europe. So maybe he was in Germany or Italy or something like that during the war. And he said, geez, you know what? I'm gonna go home and build one of those. And, but yet there's not a lot of you know, Maseratis and Ferraris laying around. So he basically, from that thought, that design theme, this is what he would have built out of some Ford scrap parts that he had around. Talk about the uh, windshields, the split windshields here, the twins. So, so Brooklyn's windshields, they're called Brooklyn screens. Um, uh, you see that a lot on race cars of the era, the 20s and the 30s, where it would have a full windshield and then it would lay that windshield down for aerodynamics more than anything and then just have these just to catch the bugs and the big stones because they were racing on roads that weren't paved a lot mm -hmm. and so therefore the stones are flying up you had to have something to protect you so these are called Brooklyn screens. What's your favorite part about this car? I think the favorite part is the, the sound the engine I mean the flathead engines got such a distinctive sound um, the color the quality of the, of the workmanship that mole coach builders did on the car mm -hmm. everything on the car we designed together we talked about they built the steering wheel from scratch so they got aluminum they cut it out uh, they got the wood they made the steering wheel they made the mirror they made the gauges Everything in this car is custom made. The body was, was made. Um, there's not a bit of filler or bondo in this car. It's all aluminum. 
their metal guy, Jimmy, is just a fabulous metalsmith. So um, everything, the, the dashboard, the, the uh, color and the paint on the dashboard, it's a wrinkle finish. And we got that idea from an Alfa Romeo from the 30s. Some of the stuff on here is really fascinating, especially the fact that you look on the dash, there's no fuel gauge, however. So Steve, <laughs> yeah, so Steve wanted a fuel gauge and I didn't want a lot of gauges on the dashboard. So I said, ah, leave the fuel gauge out. I'll just put a stick in the, in the tank and we'll figure out how much gas I've got. So he says, no, you have to have one. I said, okay, then put it between the seats and I'll look in the mirror every once in a while to be able to tell how much fuel's in it. So we have the fuel gauge back there. And which is that is, something you can see through the rear view? I can, I just got to tip it slightly. I can see how much gas is in and tip it back up. Fascinating, yeah. this is really great. Yeah. So of all the cars you have, what number is this? Well, I mean, this is... Uh, In fact, as far as the number of cars you have. Well, we always say, people ask me how many cars I have, and uh -huh. I always say, oh, I have way too many, but never enough. That's the standard answer. We don't never want to tell Mrs. Carini how many cars we really have. <laughs> I don't boast very much about the uh, number of cars, but we just, I enjoy my own cars. Uh, I enjoy sharing them with, with others. Um, so, you know, it's, it's great to have so many, and there's purposes. So this car was actually my Sunday morning car, where I can go on a Sunday morning, I can jump in this thing and take about a half an hour blast ride around, you know, at five in the morning or six in the morning, maybe stop someplace and have a cup of coffee. That's what I really enjoy about this car. What's it like going to Cars and Coffee with Wayne Carini? I mean, every time you go, you've got something completely different. Well, that's, that's a lot of fun, you know, and that's where we get to share our cars with, with so many people. Unfortunately, I'm on the road so much, I don't get to attend so many Cars True. and Coffee. We used to have one uh, once a month at our shop, but uh, unfortunately, because I'm on the road so much, we stopped doing that. Yeah, we talk about a lot about where you've started, where your first car experience is. When you joined us on the podcast earlier, um, we talked about the lot cars you had and the fact that you guys used to drive, at eight years old, you used to talk about driving those yeah, things? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we grew up on a farm, a 300-acre yep. farm, so uh, there was all the roads that went through all the orchards, and uh, we were able to, to uh, drive our cars up in there, you know. Uh, my father taught me uh, uh, probably about six years old to drive a tractor mm -hmm. because they needed somebody to go up and drive the tractor with all the peaches and pears on the back on the trailer. They didn't want to use a picker, so they said, well, hey, kid, jump on the tractor. And that's farms, you know, uh, uh, farmers have a lot of kids in their family normally because it's cheap labor. I was cheap labor. First car you bought growing up? First car bought um, was a 1949 Chevy the neighbor had for $20. Mm -hmm. it, it hadn't run in a bunch of years and had flat tires, so I went in, I pumped the tires up, rebuilt the carburetor, and uh, I got it going in no time, and it became my, my probably my third lot car. Wow. Yeah. When you look back, and a lot of people, like for example, here at the show, I have my car that kind of is like my high school car. Yep. You know, the car that we, it seems if you talk to car guys and you have, how many people like to have that car they remember from high school? Well, I, you know, I think that that's a great thing to have that, but um, sometimes you don't want that car back. <laughs> so I had a 66 Galaxy with a six cylinder in it, you know, uh -huh. three on the tree, you know, it was yeah. the next state mm -hmm. car. So. Yeah. But my first cool car in high school was an MGB. Then I moved, uh, a lady came to my father's shop. She had a 66 Corvette Coupe. She loved my MGB and she says, I'll trade you even. So here I am, kid in high school, junior in high school, and I traded my MGB for a 66 Corvette. And I asked my dad, and he says, you can do it, but 
I don't, you're not going to be able to insure it, I can tell you that. I said, oh, I'll be able to insure it. Well, he was right. Couldn't get insurance, so he let me drive it once a month on his dealer plate. Oh, okay. Well, your dad also was in this business. Yes, he was. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were able to do that. Um, I sold the Corvette, and it paid for my first year of college. So college back in those days was about $3,000 a year, mm-hmm. you know, uh, unlike today where it's $30,000 What college more. did you go to? Yeah. Uh, I went to a school out, out in Idaho, and mm-hmm. then I came back. I went to Pratt Institute of Technology in New York for a semester and mm-hmm. found that uh, that wasn't working out. And then I finished my education in Connecticut. What would Wayne Carini be doing now if it wasn't for being in, into cars? Um, I'd be an art teacher. Um, that's what I graduated college uh, to be. I couldn't find a job um, because the, they were cutting all those uh, types of extracurricular activities. So I uh, went back to work for my dad and uh, until I could find a job. Uh, started fixing Ferraris because there was a, a guy came in with a Ferrari that was uh, crashed. Mm-hmm. My father said, why don't you take that job and do it yourself? And then it just, I, I, of course, I always love Ferraris. And that's how I really got my start in, in doing serious work. For, and, and then all of a sudden, I got a hold of Mr. Kennedy down in Greenwich and started doing work for him. And so at one time, we had seven or eight Ferraris in, in the driveway uh, working on them at the same time. When you got married, is your wife a car person? No, she's not. No, she's she's not at all. Um, she likes cars, but yet it's not her passion. So uh, it, it works out rather well that way. You know, we go to car shows together. We'll go to Amelia Island. Uh, she travels down there with me. She likes that because the hotel's right on the site of the show, mm-hmm. and she can come and visit with me at the car show for an hour and say, see ya, I'm going <laughs> to the spa. <laughs> <laughs> so you have your cars as a passion. Just out of curiosity, does she have something that's kind of like her cars that she does that maybe you're not so cool on? No, no, she's a, she, she's she's just a wonderful woman. She takes such good care of her children, and that's her passion is, mm-hmm. is the care of our children and now our grandson. Well, congratulations. Yeah, that's thanks. great. Thanks. That's very cool. We talked a little bit about the cars in your garage, or at least number of cars in your garage. Are there any new ones that you now have in since maybe the last couple of years when we last spoke? Oh, my God. They've come and go. So many. I mean, you know, that's that's the key. Uh, I'm into collecting motorcycles uh, again. So at one time I had 30 motorcycles. Uh, we narrowed it down to 10, and now we're back up over 30. Um, it was funny, my wife not being a car person or a motor- motorcycle person, at one time we had a, we had like 20 motorcycles in the basement of our house. Um, and she uh, and, I, and I bought a new one and I stuck it down in there. And so she says, one day she says, well, which bike is the new one? I said, I didn't get a new bike. She goes, listen, I may not know what they are, but I certainly know how to count. <laughs> is it true? And, I, and you... Tell me if I'm wrong, but is somebody just recently announcing they're going to be, uh, they've got a big motorcycle collection and they're going to be selling it? Is that ring a bell? I have not heard that, but uh, it could very well be. I mean, the auctions, I, 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 just before I came here, I was in Vegas and I bought two bikes. I bought a, a 15 Harley Davidson and a, and a 60 uh, Ducati. 200 cc mm-hmm. little beautiful little machine so mm-hmm. um, I have an office uh, at my barn and my farm and I have uh, 15 motorcycles uh, in my office so I love looking 15 at them. in your office in my office how yeah. big is your office it's a pretty big office I was gonna say <laughs> it's a pretty big office but you know I, I, I love riding but it's getting kind of dangerous so I narrow myself down to riding in my sidecar and that's only on Sunday mornings uh, with my daughter every once in a while you know I think about let's say guys like Jay Leno, like yourselves, who have a lot of cars, and you want to drive them, obviously, to keep them 
kind of in ship shape and so they don't leak all over the place and right. stuff. How often do you get a chance to drive your cars? Well, uh, because I'm on the road so much, it's, it's become an issue. But uh, when I'm home, at least every evening, I try to take a car out for a half an hour ride. So I'll get done with work, I'll go mow the fields at the farm, and then just before dusk, I'll, I'll take one of the cars out, I'll blast around town a little bit mm -hmm. for about a half an hour, and then I'll put it away and go home. Wow, that's great. And so many cars that you have there as well. So tell me a little bit about Last time we talked again, you had your list of cars you really wanted, yep. and you knew that cars would be coming up via the show that you, they'd be following you around with. Has that changed? What are the number, let's say one or two top cars now are on the top of the Wayne Carini, I want to get that list? Well, I mean, I'd, I'd certainly like to have a four and a half liter Bentley. Uh, I have a three liter. Mm -hmm. So that that that's one car I think I'd really like to have, um, and then we're building a new hot rod with Steve Mole. So uh, uh, that that is certainly on the top of the list. Uh, it's totally different than this car. Uh, it's going to be a closed car, um, more looking like a, a Dino Ferrari style car mm -hmm. uh, with a mid-engine. So it's going to be kind of a cool deal. But uh, designing and building a car. It, 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 that's so much fun to be able to do it. As, as Steve says, you know, we don't really even have to build the car, but designing it is, is almost as much fun as building. You're on what, your 10th or 11th year now of chasing we're, classic we're cars? At, we're in our 10th year, mm -hmm. uh, ninth season, but 10th year. So the first year we filmed two one-hour specials, and now uh, we're, we're finish, finishing up season nine right now. It's fascinating when a lot of people love the show, obviously, because they love following you around. Something I remember when you started, you didn't think that'd be all that interesting. No, I mean, I couldn't figure this stuff out. I mean, I got a call from Jim Ostrowski, who owns our uh, production company and he'd read an article in the New York Times about me, written by Donald Osborne, and he said, I'd like to do a TV show about you. And I thought, why? I'm, I'm not that interesting. What would anybody want to watch me for? And he <laughs> says, I don't know, but let's try it, and you never know what can happen. Uh -huh. And here we are later, uh, 10 years later, uh, over 165 episodes, and uh, we're in 37 countries, and uh, all over the world people watch our show. Why do you think it works the way it does? I think it works well because uh, we, we find real interesting cars. It's not the same car, so, so nothing wrong to say about uh, a Camaro or a Cadillac or something, but if, it's, if that's all you're watching every week is Camaros and Cadillacs or whatever the brand is that you're focusing on, it can maybe be a little boring. Um, you're seeing different car and you have no idea what car you're going to see as you turn your TV set on. So I think that's interesting as well as we tell a story. We maybe don't feature the car as much as the family. This is the story of how they bought the car or the parents bought the car and what they did with it and trips they took with it. So I think that that's an interesting aspect of it too. Have you already set up the next season as far as knowing what cars you're looking at or a lot of that's still open? Everything is by the seat of our pants. Mm -hmm. So if I find a car somewhere, I mean we know the events we're going to. We know we're going to Pebble Beach. We know we're going to Bonneville. We know the events we're going to, but the cars and what we're taking there and uh, the ability to find them, um, that's open every day. You know what I love about your show, compared to let's say some of the other car customizer shows out there, and, and if you don't mind me saying this, it's it's old school. The guys you were working with, have you been in the family or you competed with at one point, I think you were the head, the head mechanic, worked for another garage as yeah, the story Roger, goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had his own garage. So. And so it's really watching it and it's not this 
you're throwing in all sorts of interesting parts from other cars and upgrading, you're really doing an old school restoration a lot of the time. Yeah, we're bringing them back to life. Uh, you know, so we're, we're re rejuvenating the car again. Uh, we're waking it up. We call it waking the car up. So, so it's been asleep for a long time and you, and you put new gasoline in it and new oil and you rebuild the carburetor and you wake it up and it starts up again. It's a pretty thrilling experience. Best car barn story that you found in the last couple of years? In this Probably city. the Stutz Bearcat. I mean, mm. the Stutz Bearcat, I got a phone call one day from the guy who said, I, I found a Stutz Bearcat in a garage. And you, I get I get stories like that all the time. Usually it's, I found a Bugatti for you. Well, it ends up to be a Volkswagen-powered, you know, <laughs> fiberglass kit car. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you have to listen to every lead. So he said he found a Bugatti in the barn. After about eight weeks of begging him to go take some pictures, he finally did. Um, it was really a Stutz Bearcat. Um, we went down, met the owner, and uh, found the car, and it was such a thrill to walk in that garage and know that I had a chance. There was not a given that I could actually buy the car. I heard it was for sale, but yet people change their minds sometimes. You know, we get to a location and they said, you know what, I've been thinking about it. I don't really want to sell the car. So he did want to sell it. Um, and then uh, I, I knew how much he was asking for it, and he was asking too little. So I made him an offer of almost triple of what he wanted for the car. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know that I knew how much he was asking for the car. So he says, I said, would you accept that offer? He said, well, I was hoping for a bit more, but I think that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> he played a cat and mouse game with me. Back in 2012, you talked to a publication about how it was before the internet in a sense, how you used to have to kind of flush out these cars, find out where it was, and how you used to have to go to the cities and hang out and talk to people. Talk a little bit about what, how it was like. Well, I mean, I learned a lot from my dad, uh, my father, and of course, uh, my father founded Model A Restorers Club in 1951, and he was always looking for cars uh, to restore as well as just to buy and have fun and sell them. So we kept Hemmings Motor News was our, was the publication that, that everybody used back Absolutely. then. Absolutely. And it was a small book too. It wasn't the big publication that we see today. And so he would dog ear all the pages of all the cars and circle them. And then he wouldn't call though. What he would do is he would put the book down and on a stack of them that he had next to the kitchen table. And then about once a month, he would get one out and he would open it up. And let's say that book now is a year old. He figured if the person still had that car a year mm -hmm. later that they'd almost give it away. And so he bought a lot of cars at a discounted rate because of that. Wow. We always looked for cars um, and, and, and you know, uh, so we always looked behind houses and in garages. You know, you never went for a ride on a Sunday without searching for cars and, you know, never took the same route. So that's kind of interesting way of doing it too. And then of course, you always went to a diner. So you went into a local diner, we would go up into Vermont, let's say, and he was always in search of Model A Ford parts. Mm -hmm. So he had a booklet that told about every dealer in the country where they were located. And he would go from dealer to dealer, Ford dealers, and buy all their old Model A parts that they had in the attic. They were just sitting there, and in 1950, they were just junk old parts, and they didn't know what to do with them. So he, he would buy those parts, and then, of course, we would, we would eat in diners, and, and he'd say, hey, who around here has got old cars? And next thing you know, we're going to visit that person and, and trying to buy their car. So there's a lot of different techniques, but the Internet sure makes it a lot easier Oh, now. it sure does. Yeah. It sure does. I'm always fascinated by people who have stories about moments in their life that kind of open up the doors to something else. For example, 
What was your lucky break in the car biz? What really got you going and established? My lucky break was, is I think, is that I, I couldn't get a job as an art teacher, and so it made me think, rethink the whole thing again. I mean, you know, I could have got a job um, at elementary school level, but I, I sort of wanted to teach high school or college. So I was persistent upon that, and, and not being able to get the job made me go back and work for my father. And then suddenly, just time went by like a flash because I was enjoying what I was doing. I was working on these Ferraris and, and all sorts of great sports cars, and, and I had a passion for that as a, as a young kid. So that brought me into, into, into being who I am today. And then suddenly life goes by so fast. Next thing you know, I'm married, we've got kids and, and everything else. And then of course, my big break was uh, with Donald Osborne writing the article, appearing in the New York Times about my Hudson Italia, Jim reading the article, uh, and, and me being able to get my television show going. And your lucky break in life, I would imagine, is getting married, your wife? lucky break there boy I tell you what but it wasn't easy for her because I was I was reluctant to be to be married you know I just I didn't want that commitment mm -hmm. but uh, but it worked out for the best she's uh, she's so fantastic and, and we've been married for 35 years now so it's it's a great thing and if you don't mind me bringing up the fact that you've been very active in autism causes and that kind of thing yeah you know our, our, we have a daughter with autism our second child had uh, has autism so uh, we're able to raise money for autism and raise awareness uh, I bring it up on the TV show. I try not to uh, linger on the fact or bring it up too often, but we want people to know that uh, about autism and uh, we want to raise money as much as possible. And I think the message, of, and I would imagine there are some people who watch the show who never put two and two together on this and connect the dots. What can you tell them as far as, you know, the fact that you have a daughter like that and the fact that you work hard to get things better and, and there is a light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. You know, it's all an attitude and how you, how you perceive it. So it could have been the, the biggest, terriblest thing in the world for us, mm -hmm. the, the worst thing that ever happened to us. And, and it certainly was when we first found out. I mean, it was so devastating. But yet you, you say, okay, let's move forward, though. Let's make this a positive thing. It's because Kimberly, we're not going to change her. This is how she's going to be. And how old um, is she now? She's 28. Mm -hmm. um, so you try to educate her the best she can, and we fought for that, and we got her the best education we possibly could. There was eight people on a team working with her every day that she was in elementary school. And, and then we found her a great job. Um, she has a really good life. Mm -hmm. She's a happy girl. Uh, she's great. loving. She loves to go for rides with me in cars and motorcycles. So can't ask for, for much better than that. Absolutely, yeah. and thank you for sharing on that. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people have similar instances or similar situations that they go through and they just, um, they always need some good words from someone who's been there. Yep. So what we'd like to do is we, all, we sometimes do questions from, we put out on the internet questions. Here, Gilbert, thank you, sir. We have questions from okay. the internet from people who uh, wrote in, let's see. Mark Green asks, does Wayne think the uptick in the stock market will help revitalize the collector car market? Have we seen a bit of a decline over the last year? Well, I, I certainly think that it's not going to hurt. Uh, the stock market now has is, is, is certainly hit that great point that everybody was waiting for it to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, we may see investors now think, though, that maybe the stock market is a smart place to put their money and they'll not put it in automobiles either. So uh, I think, though, that uh, it, was, it was rising so quickly, the market, that it needed a breather. 
it couldn't keep going at the rate and the pace it was going. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think that we're, we're taking that breather right now, but there's going to be another resurgence. And that doesn't necessarily mean that any classic car is something to invest in. No, not at all. And we, it, it, it's my consulting company, and, and, I, and I consult with people about buying cars and making collections, make sure it's what you like. Because don't go with the trends. Don't go, hey, everybody else likes Porsches. I should buy one because everybody else has got one. Mm -hmm. Buy what you like because the key is, let's say that the world goes to zero tomorrow and, there, and you turn your computer on and there's no money left in your bank account. Everything has gone to zero and you better like the car that's in your garage because now you're stuck with it. And you're going to have to drive it for heaven's sake. Yeah. Absolutely. Lynn Stone asks, I'm curious about Wayne's collection. We talked a little about some of the cars that are in your collection. Uh, what are your favorites maybe right now? Well, I mean, we have such an eclectic collection. So I've got hot rod pickup trucks and I've got woody station wagons. Uh, what kind of woody station wagons? I've got a 40 Ford, a 41 Ford, a 48 Chevy. Uh, 47 Ford, so those are great automobiles. I love wooden-bodied cars. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got a Davis three-wheel car. Um, but the favorite cars are probably uh, the Bentley. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's probably number one. Uh, this hot rod certainly is on, on the top of the list. I've got several hot rods. I, I love to drive those classic cars. So the Woodies aren't from Nick Alexander's collection, no, are they? No, I bought a I bought a, a sportsman from Nick's collection for a client. That was cool. Yeah, but uh, I, I've not never had a, a sportsman. I've never seen more Woodies in one spot one day before he brought it up to. Uh, up to uh, Pebble Beach yeah, to show it. That, yeah. that was an amazing we're always, collection. Uh, we were kind of concerned about that, selling all those woodies at once, but it really took off and they sold for record prices. John Paul Gaska asks, how did you get started in the business? Was it hands-on? We talked about some of that, doing restoration or just buying and selling classics that snowballed into the operation that it is today. That's a good point. You did the actual work before you did the buying and selling? Or other I way actually, around. I actually still work in the shop. So I'm the painter in our shop. I mean, uh, we have a, a really great painter, Maris, but I, I paint a lot of the cars myself also when I'm home. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be the problem now is uh, how many hours I'm home a week. Uh, how, how many days a year are you on the road? On the, we're on the road about 200 days a year. Wow. Yeah, so uh, it, it, it eats up the time. We just took the month of December off, didn't fly anywhere. So I didn't get on a plane for a month, which was fabulous. <laughs> but we took day trips around local areas and a couple day trip down to Philadelphia. Area, so. That's great. Yeah. Gary Cooper. Really? Gary Cooper? Okay. Yeah, right. Asks, where do they source parts for cars long out of production? That's an interesting thought. Well, you, you go on the internet, of course. That's the first place that we would look. And then car clubs, uh, you know, you always ask somebody within a car club. You know, so if you're working on a, a Duesenberg, you, you get a hold of the Orvincourt Duesenberg Club. Um, and then if, you, then if you can't find it, you make it. I mean, you know, so we're very lucky to be in the aerospace industry's hub, which is uh, Connecticut where Pratt & Whitney Aircraft is. And there's so many great small machine shops around us that if we can't make it ourselves, we can source it out to be made. What do you say is better? If you want to buy a car, let's say, throw it out, say a Nash, you want to get a Nash, um, do you join the club first? Do you buy the car first and then join the club for support? Well, we, How do you do that? We always recommend uh, to, to join the club no matter if it's before or after, but it's always good to join the club because there's club members maybe that are getting older, maybe they want to sell their cars and you don't have to, and, and you know you're getting the knowledge from the, from the club members as to exactly what the car is. So Absolutely. It's pretty, pretty good stuff. All right, we do a little trivia segment. Ta-da! Trivia segment time. I know you love these. Okay. 
You do now. Maybe. You do now. <laughs> With the passing of Mike Connors recently and Mary Tyler Moore recently, this is going to be more of a TV car kind of a trivia okay. scenario. Mike Connors was in Mannix. You ever watch that? Yep. Okay. Which was the car he drove in the first, well, which car did he drive first among his various cars when the early episodes came out? Was it the 68 Dart convertible, the green one, the GS, a customized Olds Toronado, or a 67 Mercury Cyclone? Uh, probably the Dart. The Dart, actually, I had to, look, had to look this up because they actually have it on YouTube. You could watch episode one, two, three, four, five. It was the Cyclone. Was it really? Yeah, they actually drove that. He was at Intertect, and then they gave him the Tornado. And then when he broke away from Intertect, he went and got the Dart and then eventually a Barracuda. Okay. So there you go. On the Mary Tyler Moore Show, that opening sequence when she's driving a car, white car, convertible, was it a 70 Camaro, a 70 Mustang, or a 70 Toyota Corona? I'm going to say it was the Mustang. Did you say Mustang? Mustang. He is correct, ladies and gentlemen. Let's give him a nice round of applause. You got the first one right. There you go. There you go. You know, I love this stu live studio audience <laughs> thing. This is great. All right. In the new Hawaii 5 on CBS, Steve McGarrett drives Danny Williams Camaro's Z28, I believe, which drives him completely crazy. But in the original Jack Lord show, what was his car? Was it a 67 Ford Galaxy, a 67 Mercury Park Lane, or a 67 Camaro? Park Lane. Did you say Park Lane? Yes. You are correct, sir. There you go. More. Hey. I knew that one. All right. Good. Two out of three. All right. Can't do a TV car show without talking about Kit and Knight Rider. We all know about Kit the Firebird. But what was the Kit in the 2008 remake? Was it a 2008 Firebird? Was it a 2008 Mustang? Or a 2008 Charger? I got to go with the Firebird. It was the Mustang, believe it, it or not. Okay. In fact, there was a guy I here. Didn't, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That was I, actually. I always thought it would, would have been the. Uh, you would think, wouldn't it? Yeah, That's right, what right, I thought it would be. Right. It would, but they come up with Mustang. Right. All right. Do you ever watch James Bond movies? Sure. Okay. Roger Moore, Man with a Golden Gun. Yep. There was a scene where he was driving an AMC Hornet chasing a bunch of bad guys. Mm -hmm. And the car eventually that they were chasing goes up on this ramp and starts flying. Mm -hmm. Was it? A, an AMC Matador, B, a Lotus Esprit, C, a Peugeot. Uh, Esprit. It was the Matador, believe was it or it? not. Okay. It was the Matador. Well, so, I'm not doing too good now. But you were two out of five. That's that's 40%. And in baseball, you would be a multi-million dollar player. <laughs> I, I can't play baseball for anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, Wayne, before okay. we say goodbye, and I appreciate the time, this has been really a lot of fun. What do we have to look forward to in your next season? Um, so the new season starts March the 7th at 10 p.m. on Velocity. Um, we have an hour special that evening about a Minerva that we found. So uh, a fabulous car with an unbelievable story. So I hope everybody tunes in and, and sees that episode. Wayne Carini of Chasing Classic Cars, who's always chasing great cars everywhere. Let's hope he never runs out of them. Hey, everybody, if you haven't subscribed to us yet on iTunes, do it now. You'll be alerted when a new podcast is uploaded. Give us a review and rank us. Don't forget to follow us on our various social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can check us out on YouTube and SoundCloud. Until next time, I'm Randy Cardoon. Join me as we have some fun talking about cars.